Relationships over academics. Yes, you heard me right. My name is Justin Sinceri. And I am Mercedes Corona. We are licensed marriage and family therapists obsessed with the polyvagal theory. Welcome to episode 13 of the Polyvagal Podcast. We're going to be talking in depth about how teachers can build better relationships with their students and why that is so important when it comes to this trauma-informed kind of stuff. And then there's some announcements that we're going to have after the topic, uh, specifically about what the next series will be about and inviting you to be a part of it. Mercedes, one thing that people keep DMing me about, they say, we love listening to you, Mercedes. Are wow, the, really? Are the two of you besties? And our answer is <laughs> one, Absolutely, two, three, yes. no. Yes, <laughs> we are. <laughs> okay, wait, is that a real DM question you've been getting? No, not at all. So the topic here is relationships and the school system and the polyvagal theory, of course, but relationships specifically, I'll even what goes so far as to saying over academics, which I think we mentioned maybe in the last episode. I don't want to say I'm looking forward to it, but I, I'm intrigued to see how controversial or not this topic is, because I think that's for teachers, especially in people in the education world to say that anything is above academics is, is a little, little touchy. So I want to see what, I really want to hear from people and see what people think about this. Well, so let's set the table here. All right. Let's, let's, let's um, do it. Cause we can't just say that and leave it at that. They're not going to believe I know. us. I know. Right, so let's set it up. <laughs> Invite people okay. over to eat with us here. We're setting the table. Set the table. Um, so the first thing we have to, there's a few things we have to have to agree on when it comes to the school system and with the kids that we're talking about in particular that come from maybe abusive homes, um, aren't getting basic needs met, uh, you know, those are surviving or have survived traumas, is that, yeah, they have behavior problems, right? And we can call parents and talk about it. And some parents are responsive and are right on it. And we can work as a team, right? Right. But sadly, we can't. We you just can't count on all parents to step up uh, because they have their own stuff going on or whatever. But that's, that's true. That, that is the reality of when you work in the school system, especially maybe in certain cities that, um, are more challenged or have more you know, higher levels of, I don't know, violence or poverty or whatever. Mm -hmm. Crime and yeah. Yeah. You're not always going to get the buy-in from the parents. That's just the reality yeah. of the school system. I think that's the truth. And I, I think just to be clear for, for the audience out there, for our dear listeners, uh, this doesn't mean that we're saying that we're not going to try because I assume Justin, you've had these parents and I've definitely had these parents where you just try and try and try. And, and you know, it's, it, again, it's the sad truth that we're talking about right now that they are not invested or involved, but it's important to still try because that's the home that the children are going to after school. So, um, but, the, but again, like Justin was saying, we can't count on them. So we have to kind of try and do what we can within our, within our own scope. It has nothing to do with not trying. It's we, what I'm saying is that we have to step up. We can't yeah. just like we I like I know teachers are going to be like, well, you know, the parents aren't following through and I, I don't disagree with them. Yeah. The parents, the, a lot of our parents aren't doing it like you're right. I just don't want it to sound like we're like, let's just give up altogether on the parents because no, no. that's not something we oh, can no, do. No, no. But but I think it is that balance of, of, you know, recognizing where the parents can like what line they can reach and what they can't do and picking up from there. Yeah, ultimately, the kid's going to come into the school the next day. They're, they're still going to be in your classroom, so we can say the parents aren't doing this or that, but I, I can't, I'm not going to say you're right or wrong, but the, the fact is they are in your classroom. So that's the first thing we, I think we have to agree on. So changing behavior, we, we have to be able to do that within the school system, and changing behavior is directly connected to um, relationships. Yes. We can't always count on somebody else to change the to fix the problem. We have to be able to handle this within the classroom, in my opinion. There's always going to be, even if you get like that one kid, you make it through the year, they move on to the next class, and you you have a big sigh of relief. There's going to be another one. There's going to be another one or two or three. There's always another one every year. There's that kid in each group. Yeah. So there really has like behavior change and relationship building have to happen within the classroom. Because, and I, I know like some kids need an alternative classroom. They need special ed, of course. Um, 
or they need, you know, a smaller classroom in a different setting. I, I get all that. And that's a long process, by the way. So passing mm-hmm. on the issue is not always a quick answer. And I don't know how sustainable that is because we, what, I think what both of us are seeing, Mercedes, and probably people listening can attest to, is that regular ed, at least in some I don't know, but I'm not going to say a blanket statement for everywhere, but regular education classrooms are looking and sounding a lot more like special, edu- special education classrooms. Yeah, they definitely are. Yeah, some of the things that we touched on in the last episode, uh, and I'm not sure if I'm jumping jumping ahead here, but some of the things we touched on in our last episode about um, creating safety cues in the classroom, things like quiet space and things like that. I've seen that in some general education classrooms, which is phenomenal, I think, because it just shows that general ed teachers are embracing these ideas that that these you know so-called special techniques or interventions that we use in a special day class they're for all the kids, not just the special ed kids. But I'm hearing this in multiple high school, I go to high schools mostly. They're the behavior problems that are typically associated with special education. They're seeing more, and especially from teachers or staff that have been there for decades, they they see a clear difference in the way school used to be, the way school is yeah. now, The kid, how the kids are presenting the behavior problems, the lack of, you know, the, the, where it used to be more obedience and fear. That's not there anymore. That's that That's done. So it, it that model is like that's done. So we we have to be able to move toward this relationship based model, and there's not enough social workers and therapists to re, to refer these kids to. Like the this the help is not going to be there immediately. I'm sorry to say, it it is, it is a process and it's going to take a while. So we have to have models within the classroom and the school setting that can influence behavior immediately. We have to. Not trying to sound biased being a mental health clinician in a classroom myself, but there aren't enough of us to go around right now. And as glorious as I think a mental health clinician is, there are a lot of things that teachers can do in a general ed classroom that can, I don't want to say take take over that role, but can kind of preemptively, you know, put into action some other interventions that can help the kids regulate. Co-regulation has nothing to do with being a therapist. It's about having someone who's in their safe and social system providing those safety cues so we're not asking anyone to be a therapist we're just asking you to be um, a safe adult that can co-regulate with the children around you like that's not always that you know super easy to do but i I feel like it is kind of necessary like i think so we really have to be that person and i'm not gonna get mad at anyone for not being perfect but we we have to we kind of have to be that person and if you're not and if you're down the ladder more, I, I really think you're going to see more behavior problems in your classroom. That's, that's what I see is with the teachers that aren't that safe and social person, that they have a lot more problems in the classroom. I think what I meant to say before is that um, as, a, as a therapist, when I was in graduate school, you know, getting trained to become a therapist, you know, we are trained in, in lots of these things that we are now identifying as safe and social cues through the polyvagal theory. That stuff comes as second nature now to us as therapists. And those are a lot of the things that we are wanting to help teach and 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 pass on to other people, non-therapists. And I think that's what it's looking like more in the in the gen ed classrooms is is more like therapeutic type skills. And I think you're making a good point. We're not asking people to be therapists. Yeah, the, well, and really, it's like the the best version of yourself that that you possibly can. The a safe adult that can co-regulate and model and, and whatnot. That's that's really it. The idea here is again, safety and relationships come before academics. As we heard, you know, in one of my solo ones, I think probably episode two with the safe and social system, the social engagement episode. We don't learn unless we feel safe. Even if you get a child through the day and there's no behavior problems, that doesn't mean they were in their learning state. Like doesn't mean that they were in this uh, place where they're actually ready to learn. They only get there if they feel actually safe. And part of feeling safe is to have the adult in the room that can hold structure, have positive expectations, provide safe and social cues. And then once they get all that stuff, then they're able to learn. Whatever role you are in the classroom or school, if the relationship is there, this will help encourage the kids to have, to want to change their behaviors, to have more positive behaviors, because they're not going to change their behaviors unless they want to do it for themselves. 
And that won't come without the relationship. Because if if they don't see that you're invested in them and that you find value in in them as as people, as a person, then they're not going to want to do that for you kind of in the in a the reciprocal way absolutely so let's talk real quick that caring can look different between teachers we know you care for your students i have zero doubt any teacher i've interacted with they have that in within themselves that there is a love and there's a compassion and a caring for every single student in their classroom they may not feel it in that moment they may be in their own sympathetic state but i know i have zero doubt that it's there so how that looks teacher to teacher can be a lot different but it has to come through in a genuine way. So I work, we work with teachers that are more aggressive and loud, but the, the but they set a high standard and they fully expect the, t- the students to meet that. And they they'll say like, I, I believe in you so much, and I and I hear teachers say, I I, I love you so much, I, I I really believe you can do this, but if you mess up, I'm not going to let you get by. Like I'm not going to let you um, pass the class if you haven't earned it. Like there's teachers that have that kind of presentation. But but they you feel the caring and you feel the encouragement and motivation, uh, versus other teachers who are more of you know like nurturing and huggy, and you feel it from them, and that can work as well. Like you don't have to be one way or the other, you you can just be you as long as it's genuine and you, right. and you let that caring come through. They're gonna feel it. I think that's the most important point here is 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 be you. And you kind of touched on it a little bit ago, Justin, be, be the best version of yourself that you can be. So whatever that is about you, embrace it and highlight it and, and just be enthusiastic about it because that's what will help draw the kids towards you in, in those relationships. And it's not about changing who you are or becoming someone else or becoming someone that you've looked up to in the past. Just be who you are and be a dork if you're a dork and be a nerd if you're a nerd and be a, you know... A weirdo if you're a weirdo. I'm I'm using all these terms that I feel like might be interchangeable. But my point is, um, we had, do you remember when we did that training on this stuff? And one of the, um, on the feedback comments we got, um, a gentleman was saying, I assumed it was a gentleman. That's my assumption. Um, one of the teachers was saying that he used the, um, what is it called? The Vulcan, yeah. the Vulcan greeting. Yeah. Um, gosh, I can't, what's the thing that they say? Live long and prosper. Yeah. Yeah. Is that it? So that's what he used in his classroom to just kind of build that relationship with the kids. And that's what worked for him. So find what's yours and use that. There you go. All right. So that, that's the stuff we have to agree on before we move forward, which is sadly, we can't count on every single parent to, to be as proactive as we'd like them to be. Uh, number two, we have to be able to change behavior within the classroom. Three, there's always another kid coming next year. That's going to be a challenge. Four, passing the issue on to somebody else is not a sustainable model. And number five, safety and relationships come before academics. So if if you can't agree, stop listening. That's it. <laughs> See you next episode. <laughs> if you're with I us, <laughs> if you're sitting at the table with us, here we go. I mean, I, I, every te- actually, this applies to parents as well. They ask, well, when this happens, what do I do about it? And when this, like, but they're asking when the behavior problem's already there, well, what do I do about it? And that's a valid question. And, but once you're in a crisis moment, there's no perfect answer, honestly. Right. You're already a couple steps too late there. Yeah. It's like, well, what did you miss out on before the fact? So, right. So before the behavior problem, this is going to be the biggest change that you can make. This is where you're going to make the most impact. Attempting to make a connection with a kid who's flipping a desk over, if you're smiling at them and doing your prosodic voice, it's just... It's, it's, Let me tell you, folks, it doesn't work. I, I can tell you literally from personal experience, that exact situation has happened to me. It doesn't work. And I have great relationships with my kids. It's one of the benefits of being a therapist in a classroom is that I get to be the nice guy and I get to be the one that comes in and says, whatever you want, it's okay, whatever thing. But even in the moment that they are flipping the desk or throwing the markers or tearing things off the wall, even Mercedes can't stop them from doing the thing they're doing. When those things do happen, that's a crisis moment and safety is the issue. Now, it's not about, like, it's safety for the kid, but also for the rest of the class and also for yourself. So whatever, you know, policies your school has in place hopefully it's up to snuff but like safety is the is the issue there not 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 exactly connection it's the stuff beforehand so the first thing here is again safety but we're talking about the safety the polyvagal safety you should be applying polyvagal safety sort of things 
before the behavior problem. And this includes the structure of the classroom, which we kind of, we went into a lot last last week. But here we're going to get more specific, actually, with how structure can actually help you to build a relationship before the problem occurs. The first one would be a positivity bookends to the class, which means when they walk, when they come in, I really want to hear teachers giving them a very warm welcome. Examples could be a handshake, a high five, a dap. It could be very something very simple. A verbal acknowledgement, just a hello, a good morning, I'm so happy to see you. How was your night? How was your weekend? Whatever. Um, a smile. Prosody is extremely important, like good morning, that kind of stuff. Mercedes, you're good with that? I'm very good with that. But not fake. Not fake at all. Don't be fake Justin about it. Likes it when, Justin likes it when I walk in, when he walks into a room and I sing his name. He loves that. This is an issue. Justin. <laughs> he doesn't like it. I'm being sarcastic, guys. He has a hard time with it. <sighs> but I am good with prosody. I'm like cringing right now. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> there, there was an issue at work where I'd come in and she was just being herself and she would sing. And I'd be, I would just, I'd stop and I'd have to be like, why? Why are you doing that? Just let me walk in and go to my desk. Stop. But did you think I was just doing it to you? Because you didn't know that I had already done it to like two other people that had walked in. I just want to be because it's lovely. It. You don't think it's lovely to be greeted? That this is what we're talking about here. Like we're saying, let's greet the kids with this, and you don't like it for yourself. It, do, it does not work for me. <laughs> but if you, you are a different creature. But if that's I true. Think. But if I walk in, and you say, "Hey, Justin, what's up? I'm good." That's like, "Oh, yes. hey, how you doing?" The singing to me, the making eye contact with me while you sing. It does not work right. for me, Mercedes. <laughs> right. It does not work for me. Okay. And you know what? Even though we're actually, uh, I mean, I started this out as a little bit of a joking around. This is actually a really good point. It is. I think learning what works for the students that you have in your class. So again, the example with Justin, I had sung two other people's names uh, as they walked into the room before Justin got there and they loved it. It made them smile and it started... <laughs> He's rolling his eyes at me, folks. Um, it started a, you know, just a, a conversation, a warm welcome thing between us. And then Justin came in and that's not his thing. So learn, <laughs> learn what it is. <laughs> He's still shaking his head. Uh, learn what it is that works for your students and, and really use that. Each, so each kid is going to respond at different levels of acceptance. So some kids might want a little dap. Some of them might want a high five. Some of them... Um, you know, might want just a whole want a Broadway smile. Show. Might want a whole Broadway show. <laughs> might want a little smile or just like a sing-songy hello. Um, and I think I would really encourage teachers, like, I, I don't think it's a super tall order to recognize the kid that can't stand being touched. Like, that's... And I, and also right. don't do it without asking permission in the first place. But, right. you know, you can ask kids as they line up and walk in, like, how do you want a greeting? Do you want a high five? Do you want, do you want me to, you know, to say nothing at all to you today? Or is that where you're at right now? Um but those little moments are going to help them because they're coming from environments that are not necessarily the best. I want teachers to assume that a child is coming from a horrible environment. not to, because, yeah. because once they know it, once they hear it, the, the empathy and the compassion really kicks in. Don't wait to hear it. Like Just assume that they're coming from a place that um, was not what it should be. That's a win-win because even if... So if you're assuming that they're coming from that place then you're you're starting to build the safety and build the relationship there. And if they're not coming from that place, then they're already in a good place. And what's the harm? You know, you're just giving them another little nugget of gold for their their little basket yeah. in the day. So ask, you know, is it okay if I give you a little high five? And some kids will say no. And like, that's not, but now you've given them permission to have some control over who touches them mm -hmm. and in what way. Or if, they're, if they are consenting to some sort of touch that they'll be like, you know, a dap is good for me or a handshake or whatever. Like, but they have control over touch, which is, a, I think, a very big healing thing. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're a positive, like a warm welcome, but also a grateful goodbye when they leave for the end of the day. What did you appreciate about them from today or about their character or just or who they are as a person? How do they benefit you that day? How, how did they make a positive impact on the class? Uh, so something positive, and again, with a smile, with some prosody, you could do a handshake goodbye or whatever, uh, but just it's a, just what are you grateful about with this student? And so that does mean you have to really look for it. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be a big thing either. I Sometimes I like to end my time with kids just saying thank you. You were, you were mentioning being grateful. Thank you for spending time with me today. You know, 
thanks for, you know, I had some fun with you today. Thanks for having fun with me. It doesn't have to be anything huge, uh, but it's about the bookends that we were saying, you know, the warm welcome and then the grateful goodbye. Just sandwich those two things on the end of, of that safety sandwich and, Ooh, and it'll start to build. That's good. I, I, I'm going to trademark that. Um, <laughs> when you bookend that safety sandwich, it, it'll start to feel safer for the kids, the ones that are coming from traumatized homes or, or situations. It'll start to build that safety for them slowly, but surely. There you go. The last part of the structure will, will kind of just to sort of put the, I guess, the meat inside of the safety sandwich here. Yes. And the lettuce. <laughs> Not necessarily meat. Tomato, it, it if you like lettuce. a tomato. Yeah. But bra- uh, brain breaks. Um, I think brain breaks are yes. extremely important to have these little planned short breaks that involve some sort of amusement, amusement, movement, Mercedes, not amusement. That's not a thing. Not amusement. <laughs> planned short breaks that involve movement, art, or even like music and like fidgets like we talked about last time. These are short breaks. These don't have to be long. I, I don't think at all. And I think brain breaks mean different things for different teachers. Brain breaks to me are not more academics. Right. I don't think. I, Maybe I, I got mean, that I wrong, think, but I don't think it's I more learning exactly. They can be, but I think in the context of our conversation and our discussion here, it doesn't have to be because the point is giving your brain a break. And so thinking about the, if we're going back to the safety sandwich, right? We start the day off with a warm welcome. We end the day with a grateful goodbye. Let's sprinkle some goodness in the middle. Brain breaks, I think, are a big deal, especially with like, I think anyone, but younger kids don't, they don't just sit there and learn. They don't just sit there and like, listen. Yeah. They have to have they some sort of movement. need that movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their, their vagal break, their um, safe and social engagement system is not as fully developed, their, their vagal break. So them being able to tolerate sitting there for long periods of time and just taking in information, that, that's not how they are that's not how they exist so more movement more creativity um, music is is a great thing i think but little short little short bursts and we'll get more into that later on uh, as well as structure in building safety your own cues of safety what you're giving to the classroom i'm sure you know this by now if you've listened to pretty much any of the right. polyvagal <laughs> podcast is episodes po- one through 12 any yeah, one of yeah, those pretty much yeah uh positivity Prosody, smiling, eye crinkles. It's just you have to be providing these things. If they're fake, yeah. they'll know. So do the best you can to find that within yourself, the, the joy you have for being a teacher, the love you have for the kids, the fun, the creativity that is within you, and really kind of let those things come out. If you have to do a Dr. Spock hand thing, whatever, <laughs> do it, the Vulcan thing. I think, I think Dr. Spock is a different person, but Spock Is it Mr. Spock? From- I think I think so. I've yes, watched, it is Mr. Spock. I've watched no Star Trek. I don't know. I have no idea. Star Trek. Right. Yeah. I for a if second was going to say a, Star Wars. A Chewbacca gargle. If that works for you, <laughs> go ahead. I know. You know Star what's Wars. fun about that? I used to have a client that used to love to do that to me, and I would try my hardest. And it just sounded like I was just, you know, actually gargling. Um, but <laughs> can't emphasize this enough, guys. The the your own cues of safety, your own prosody, your own. Um, eye crinkles and all of that. It's really big. The younger you go, I think the more exaggerated it can be. Not fake, but kind of like bigger and more fun with, you know, I'm thinking of like kindergarten, first, second graders. They need it to be a little bit bigger and and more exaggerated just to make it clear that look how much fun I'm having with you. Look how much I value the time I'm spending with you. The third piece of safety within the classroom. So we got structure, your own keys of safety, obviously. The third piece is clear and positive expectations. We have to expect kids to do well. And if we don't expect it, they feel like they know it. I, th- I really think that kids know the teachers that expect less of them. They feel it. And even if they're not doing it in that moment, we have to believe they can. They, they, have the, they are capable of doing so. Right. And that we can get them there. That we can help them get to where we expect them to be. And I think um, something that's really important, I mean, you, you were kind of touching on the the positivity aspect of it. For me, I mean, they're both important, but the clarity is really important too. I see this trip up some of the best teachers I've worked with where they assume that the expectations were clear, but at no point did they specifically say or explain or identify the expectations. 
And so when I ask them, well, how was the child supposed to know? Well, they should just know. Well, <laughs> how? So just make sure, sometimes I tell teachers, if it, if it feels obvious, it doesn't matter. Just say it anyway, even if it feels obvious. But the expectations have to be clear. You're either setting up the kids for failure or for success, just right off the bat with, with setting up the expectations. So if they don't know what you want them to do, they can't get there. And no matter how positive you are about your belief in, in their ability to do it, if they don't know where you want them to go, they're not, they're not going to be able to do it. One thing I like to do is um, with the kids I meet with in therapy is that I uh, just, at least from within myself, and actually a lot of times I'll say it out loud too, is that um, I, I do believe that they're doing the best that they can that day. I really believe that. But I also believe that they can choose to do one step better. You know what I mean? Like just that one yeah, step could like be a, it could be a tiny little thing, but I, I really believe that any one of us every single day can choose to do one step better. Because it doesn't have to be a huge thing. Yeah. So like you know, a kid that leaves school early, um, he or she may want to leave at like one o'clock, right? They just they they're way down the ladder. They can't deal with it. Um, you know, can, can you do it five more minutes? Can you can you can you challenge yourself to do it a, just one step better? Or you know, can you do can you do one more homework assignment? Because a lot of them don't do all their homework. Can like just one step better? Can you do one more homework assignment or one more paragraph to finish off that essay? Um, just like, can you take it one step further every single day? And if you if you really do one little thing every, different every single day, all of a sudden you know things are looking I think a lot different. Absolutely, I really like that. Thank you. But we don't just do it. Like you have to have someone that is. I think saying those things and expecting it of you and believing in you and supporting you. And I think teachers, you don't have to be a therapist to do that. That's just human kindness, I think. Well, and a huge piece of that is is modeling it yourself. So the teacher or the staff or whoever, whatever your role is in that kid's life, you model it yourself. And this, sometimes I think this is something that the adults forget. I, I think being adults, we forget what it's like to be a kid and we forget that as kids, we felt like the adults had just all the control and we had none of it. And that's a big thing. I remember as a kid just feeling so powerless and not, not as, you know, not in an ugly negative way, but just like, well, there's not a lot I can do about it. But it was nice to see that when the teachers set down the expectations and the rules, they were also following them. And so that's something that I think is really important for myself. And I really emphasize with the kids that I work with every single day in school is if this is the rule for you, then it's also the rule for me. So if you're not allowed to wear hats in school, I'm not going to wear hats in school. And if you're not allowed to say cuss words at school, I'm not going to say cuss words at school. And a lot of adults forget this. And it's a really, really big thing because it's it's about the safety and it's about the relationship. And and those things go hand in hand so much. They're, they're intertwined most of the time, the safety and the relationship. And if the if you're laying down some rule, as arbitrary as it might sound to them, if you're not following it, then what's the point? There's no trust there. There's no safety because you're saying one thing and doing another thing. And then why should there be a relationship if if the child can't trust you to do this simple thing? Mean what you say and say what you mean. Like if you're saying one exactly. thing, you have to follow through. That's an, that's an exactly. easy out. Like if they see you're not – like the kids that need structure and, and expecta- you know, positive expectations and love and safety, if they – they're looking for the reasons to not trust you. It's what they expect. They expect it, but it's it, it also it's confirmation that adults can't be trusted. Adults exactly. are safe. So it's like, yeah, you're, you're another one of those people. I knew it. So like they're looking for that. Bef- so again, before the behavior problem, the first thing is uh, safety and structure, um, relationship. And, oh, I'm sorry. The next thing is relationship. But under safety, we have structure, your own cues of safety, and clear and positive expectations. Uh, these all all things that take place before the behavior problem, and the second part of this is uh, building a solid relationship. So we've already started talking about some pieces of that, but building a solid relationship, of course, they have to feel like you care, and you have to actually care, right? <laughs> and you do is the thing because otherwise, why would you be doing what you're doing? If if you're in a classroom in whatever capacity, if you're an educator in in, in whatever way, there's a reason you're there, and sometimes people like to talk about your why. So I think that's a good place to go when I, especially now we're what looking down the end of April and uh, <laughs> you know, we've got the countdowns going and everything. People are ready for summer. It's rough right now. It's tough. It's the end of the school year. We've put in nine months of hard work. Remember why you're doing this. 
because you do care. No, nobody becomes a teacher for the money, right? <laughs> that's not why. That's not why you guys stacks are here. Stacks on stacks, <laughs> right? You're doing it because you care about these kids. You have to have. You have to have some level of. Yeah, I think the, the grounding of of why you're there. Mm-hmm. Like it, I think that's. I think it's a good idea to remind yourself every now and again, or to remind each other, like in staff meetings or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people forget. You have to care, if, and if you don't, you might be in the wrong line of work. <laughs> think about that. <laughs> might be. Um, but, so that the relationship is huge. One way to, but not just between you to the student, but also amongst the students, amongst and between yes. the students. And one way to, to help uh, boost this is something called circles. This is a restorative it's called restorative justice. Is that what it's called? Practice. No, practice. Is it restorative? Restorative practice? practices. Yeah. It's called circles. Very simple idea um, where every single day the kids come in. It doesn't have to be at the beginning of the of the day, but I think it's a good place to do it. And they just sit in a circle and they check in with each other. Nothing, not therapy. Nothing super deep. The basic idea is that you, you know, as a teacher, that you can lead them in asking certain questions. It can be very simple questions, um, very innocent questions, and they pass around a talking piece, take turns talking, and they learn about each other in very safe and easy ways. And that can take, I don't know, 20 minutes maybe. Um, that That is in addition to, I know teachers get freaked out by that idea, that this is now adding time onto. But if you think about how much time you put into discipline and hopefully replace it with something like this, that you'll see the discipline stuff lessen. But if, if you do the check in the circle, if that's just one idea, by the way, but if you do the circles thing, hopefully you'll see that kids are connected with each other and now they're actually in more of a ready-to-learn place versus just walking in, not making any connections, not making eye contact with each other, not saying a darn thing to each other and being expected to work and who got, you know, who knows where they came from, what what environment they came from, you know. Right. The the circles are a really big thing and and it's one of those things. I don't know if I've already talked about this on the podcast, so I apologize if I have, but there's these little rituals almost that we do every day. Think about having a meal with your family and it, it's a small thing, but every day you sit for 15, 20 minutes and, you know, pass the salt and, and how was your day and these little rituals that we have. And within those little rituals, it's, is this little exercise and connection every day we do this and every day it happens. And that's what the circles are. And, and it's for, if you think about the sit down meal with your family at home, this is like the the family in the classroom, you know, doing the circles. And I've I've seen in in my experience, I've seen the difference that this can make where I worked with a teacher. This was several years ago. This is not current at all. This is several years ago. But I worked with a teacher who had a really hard time with this part and we would do our what do we call it? Our morning meeting, I think, morning check-in every day. And it was something that I ran as a therapist in the classroom, but all the staff were invited to participate. And the the kids noticed that every single staff member grabbed a chair, sat down in the, in the group with the kids, except for one person, and that was the teacher. And the one person that had the the weakest relationships in the classroom was, believe it or not, the teacher. I believe and it. And the kids, believe it. <laughs> And the kids would say, she doesn't even sit with us. She can't even stop working for t- 15, 10, 15 minutes in the morning to to have a conversation about what we had for dinner last night. That was one of their favorite questions. So so they notice. And, and again, it's one of these things. It seems like a little thing, 10, 15, 20 minutes every day. But it builds up into this routine that is safe and social and positive for the kids. And it means something. There's think, connections there. I think it's a really good way to go from wherever you came from into a new environment and to set the stage. Um, I did this as a, a class of youngins I'm working with and uh, really helping the teacher to be in her safe and social state. So I was there and the class was kind of amped up. You could tell, you know, it was kind of going uh, a little bit more rowdy. The teacher, she was dropping down the ladder and she was getting a little flustered and I saw her um, attempting to like, well, I, I got to do this, I got to do that. And so I stopped and I said, is it okay if I you know, stop you? Can you know, take a deep breath? And she did that. And I said, they're lose, like they're dropping down the ladder. She needed a little language. So I said, I was able to say like, they're dropping down the ladder and a couple of kids in particular, like we're going to lose them pretty quick. I see it, like I see it happening. I said, now's a good chance to do the circles thing, to do a check-in, get everyone together. 
And so she did that. And so I kind of coached her through it and then modeled for the teacher how to do a very simple check-in about how we're feeling. And a couple of kids had come in. There's another thing here, which um, I'm calling, oh, the ready-to-learn check-in. The first thing the kids do when they go to this classroom is they, they move their magnet of their name. And one of the options is I'm not is I'm ready to learn. And there's another option that's like, I need to talk or I don't know how I feel or whatever. And a couple of kids put, I need to talk. And these were the kids that were kind of down the ladder more and weren't, I could tell, were like spiraling, you know, know, downward. So we did the little check-in and um, the kids were able to connect with each other. They got to say how they feel. And a couple of them got pretty darn personal, which was a little shocking. But we managed it. It was pretty simple. Um, And when the break was, when the circle thing was over, it was like 10 minutes maybe. It was like a 10-minute check-in. Yeah, it doesn't have to be they, long. They went to their uh, station. Oh, she gave them an assignment to do um, a journaling activity about how they feel and to draw about it and write about it. And they went and they were phenomenal. It was no problems whatsoever. And this easily could have been a lot of problems happening all at once. But the te- it, what was cool was I saw the teacher go from her dropping on the ladder and really getting worked up to having fun. I saw her connecting and having fun. Good. And she I was going to ask about the teacher. She, That's cool. She made a huge, like 180. 180? U-turn? A 180? Yes. Yeah. She reversed direction. And um, <laughs> yeah, she 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 was smiling more. The prosody came back and she was getting on their level and she was bouncing from station to station, being really positive. So it was this huge turnaround. And the kids That's felt beautiful. That it was it was It was phenomenal. Yeah. It was fantastic. But I think me being a part of it and getting in the, it down there with them and not just being a stranger in the room, I think that helped out a lot. But but saying like, here's a chance Absolutely. for us to kind of talk about how we're doing because, you know, like it really helped out a lot. Uh, but so part of the circles thing is I would encourage teachers to really keep it very safe, very innocent questions. I think a feeling check-in is mostly okay. But if you have young ones, their filter is not quite there. So what happened in this circle was one of the kids said... Um, that he was sad because his mom didn't like him. Oh no! And she said, "Oh, that's he, so sad." It was super sad, and she's like, "He said that um, that his mom gave him up, <gasps> and she's mad at me." And it's like, "No, it's and we couldn't go into it, obviously." But all we did was validate. And I said, "That is really sad," and I, I brought it to the group and I said, "Does anyone else ha- like feel sad about their parents?" And a couple of hands went up because it's a pretty common scenario. And that yeah. that kid and I ended up taking a walk together, and and he was just ready to talk and. Um, he ended up like hugging me and stuff and I, it was really sweet. But um, yeah, so, so stuff is going to come up. So I would really encourage you to keep it very simple, very innocent. Um, focus on like foods and movies and just build connections with simple things like that. I think if you're going to do feelings, because that's something I do, but again, I'm a therapist in a classroom. So if you're going to do feelings, it does not have to be obligatory. So they can share a feeling if they want to, and they don't have to. So if you're going around the circle and a couple of kids don't want to say how they feel, then we're not going to press it because that is not safe. We're trying yeah. to build safety here. What you can do is you can even have a few feelings laid out, like who feels sad, and they can raise their hand or not. Who feel, Who's feeling happy right now? And they can raise their hand or not. And you can ask, can one person share why they're feeling happy and give them an opportunity to kind of break it down. But not everyone has to go into it. Just you can... By a, by a show of hands, they can see I'm not the only one who feels this way. Right. And I don't have to go into it, but now I don't feel alone all of a sudden. So that, that's called circles, restorative practice. Practices, yes. That I think is really valuable. Um, on top of that, like I, said, I mentioned, the ready-to-learn check-ins. I, I think that kids should be able to, without raising their hand and saying, like, I'm not in a good place right now, to have a magnet they can move or some sort of covert way to, to signal that. to a teacher. There's, there, we went to a training where the um, the trainer had the flip your lid. <laughs> I can't even do it. The, oh, yeah. There the, it is right there. The flip your lid, and she just sort of, she'll do the flip the lid brain hand thing. Like that, Mercedes? They can't see you, Justin. I can see you. <laughs> and so she just, she just said, you know, she'll look at them and do the little hand signal, and they can say yes or no. Uh, but there's, I think there's ways to just basically do a little, a little brief check-in of like, where are we at? Are you ready to learn? And you can phrase it that way or not, you know, are you ready yeah. to learn or not? And no judgment, just where are we at? Yeah. It, it gives them power to say, I'm I'm not where you want me to be. I'm just not there. And, <laughs> and it, 
Like it's not going to well, happen. It's right information now. for you. It's information for the teacher and the staff because, okay, now I'm not going to push it because if I push it when the student is in that place, then it's just a whole other ball of wax. It's, it's not safe and it's not building relationships, but yeah, it's good information. So here's the, another idea that I've implemented at another school where the principal was wise enough to recognize that he was actually providing cues of danger because he wasn't giving prosody or eye connection or smiles. And he was, it was awesome because he was like, oh, I'm not doing those things. And so I encouraged him, start checking in with the kids, like walk into a classroom and just say, hey, how you guys, how you guys doing? Just want to say hi. How's everyone doing? And, you know, checking with them on the playground. And so I see him doing these things and he said it's made a big difference. So I want to awesome. see principals, not just as an authority figure, but as a caring figure who's like, Hey, how are we doing? I'm just here. Want you to see my face. I'm smiling, that kind of stuff. So I think principal check-ins is a really fun, I can be a very fun idea. And I think that when you get special attention, like that positivity attention from someone like a principal, it feels really good. Yeah. And again, going back to the, I was mentioning earlier, I think a lot of us as adults, we forget what it's like to be a kid. But if, if you can take yourself back to being like seven, eight, nine years old and the principal was like this like prolific figure and like, I don't know about you, Justin, I was, I was a good kid, so I didn't see the principal a lot. (laughs) So when I did, it felt like a big deal. And so for someone like that to come into my room and like care about what I'm feeling, like, hi, good morning. That would feel, am- and again, this is 10-year-old Mercedes. Like, that'd be awesome. It really That's would be, yeah. Thing. Totally, yeah. absolutely. Uh, have genuine fun. I want to see, I don't see, mm. why, why aren't we seeing teachers play so, with kids yes. during recess? So important. That's Guess it, what, like guys? They're... they're kids. They're fun. It's fun. What The kids I work with, ask me all the time, not I shouldn't say all the time, but they'll ask me pretty frequently, Miss Mercedes, you like what you do, don't you? And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, you just have a lot of fun with us. Heck yeah, dude. I get to spend my day hanging out with kids, sitting on the ground, playing games. What? Like I get paid for this. This is not a problem. And <laughs> let's just be clear. There's a little bit more to my job than that. There, yeah. But I have fun, man. It's a good time. When was the last time you played Uno? Or like rolled around a little Play-Doh ball in your hands. Like that's a good time, guys. It can be, yeah. So recess is a is a perfect time to 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 connect with kids, play with kids, and have a snack with them or something like that. You don't have to, you know, huddle up with your coworkers and, and hide and chit chat about who's doing what. Like go play with the kids. Um, and also, if if you're a yard duty, no cell phones. Don't, oh yes. Or even assist in the classroom, teachers in the classroom, anybody in the classroom, no cell phones. You know, actually have fun, play, bond. Um, I would love, I like seeing that principal go out during recess and, and check in on kids and, and offer to, you know, to hang out or talk or whatever. It's really cool. Um, it, it, if they're doing your line walk routine, make it into a game and play with them, dance with them, uh, make silly steps, small steps, big steps, do it with them. That's all relationship building and it's super easy. Add zero time on the classroom. The only thing that adds time to the classroom, I think, is uh, the circles thing, really. But I think that I think yeah, I think it pays but it's off. so valuable. Yeah, th- these for me these are no brainers. In so in class we talked about what have we talked about here uh, relationship, mm-hmm. um, and safety. All of, all of these things have to be before. Don't wait. Don't wait for the behavior problem. Yeah, these are things that happen before the behavior behavior problem, and I think will reduce the chances of. I know they will reduce the chances of a behavior problem. I see it happening. And or when a behavior problem arises, it'll be way easier for you to deal with because now there's a little more safety in the classroom and there's a better relationship with the kid because problems are going to happen. Well, they'll see you as a, as a safe person. Like there's, um, yeah. there's a student I was, I was meeting with in therapy and I'm a safe person for them. So when they were flipping out in class and about to fight with another student, I was able to walk over there, make eye contact and say, let's go. And they were like, okay. And they just followed me and it was like, it died. That was it. It was done. Safe person. That's my escape. I'm I'm going with you. Yeah. And that was it. Didn't have to yell. I just looked at the person and said, come with me basically. You know, it wasn't aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, It was just, yeah. All right. So I actually think that let's bring this back very in particular to the polyvagal theory with moving up the ladder. We talked about being the bottom of the ladder is the shutdown state up. The ladder is sympathetic arousal of right above shutdown is fight. 
above that is flight, the behaviors, but it's but they're both sympathetic. And then above that is where we want kids to be, which is the right everyone to be, which is the social engagement system uh, at the very tippy top of the ladder. So these are brain breaks that we sort of brainstormed that I think can help with these extra with these uh, states. And we'll start with shutdown. And I don't want to go. We're not going to go super deep in all these, but we'll name them. It's pretty simple stuff. Um, the first one for shutdown. There's something that I was doing. I was doing parenting group therapy, and one of the parents led us in this thing called chair yoga, which is yoga in a chair. Makes which, sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind of on the nose for me, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, little stretches, a little bit of chair yoga in class. Um, and these, I, I, I think it's better to do more frequent short breaks than like a single 10 minute break. Longer break. Yeah. Yeah. I think frequent short breaks, you know, every 10 minutes for 30 seconds that we're going to stretch or something like that, or every 15, 20 minutes, whatever. Um, I think it's more, I think it's better. So a quick little chair yoga exercise, you can look that up online. Um, you can look up anything online really, but it is there. Chair yoga is there. <laughs> also yoga and also chairs, but now. Yeah. The other, the other thing is this is really good for um, for shutdown. Also, uh, by the way, in therapy, what I see with kids that come out of shutdown is that they'll stretch out. So that's why yes. that's why I'm saying little stretches, chair yoga, that you're telling if it, and you don't make them do it, but if they do it, what they're doing is they're telling their body, their brain, or their body, whatever that I'm safe enough to do this. Maybe I don't need to be in shutdown for this moment. Um, the second thing is toe wiggles. This is super simple. You just move your toes. You just wiggle your toes. It's toe wiggles. Again, right on the nose. That makes sense. That makes sense. Pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Toe wiggles. Um, Again, this is something I do in therapy a lot um, for someone who may be attempting to come out of a shutdown. Not for someone who's dissociative. That doesn't help. But someone who's coming out of a shutdown or I feel like is ready to. I'll just say, hey, can you move your toes? And that, just that little action um, can kind of help the nervous system kind of come out of that shutdown enough. Uh, to get them to the next step, uh, breathing exercises. Just, I mean, real simple. Just you know, breathe in, long breath out as much as possible. Um, you, and what you something can do, else you can Google. You can you probably search could. it on the internet. You probably yeah. could. Uh, you know, there's there's so many different breathing exercise options. It, for kids, you want to involve a visual with it. Um, we one of our coworkers said, you know, imagine you're what was it, breathing in a color. Co- Color breathing, yeah. Color so you breathing. breathe in a color that feels calming and soothing to you, and you breathe out a yucky color. And so you can get really visual with the kids on that one. Um, another popular one is, uh, what is the one? Smell the flowers, blow the bubbles. Because you want them to breathe in through their nose, out through the mouth. We did one at a, the trauma training, and the person led us in it. And it was, you breathe in, and when you breathe in, it's basically you build a square in your mind. You breathe in uh, yes. and you yeah. make one line of the square. You breathe out, you make the next line, breathe in the third line, and then you breathe out. That's the fourth line. You just make a square in your mind. So you're stimulating the you know, frontal part of your brain. You're, you're stimulating your imagination. Uh, also, just sort of stimulate their thoughts. Uh, give them like a random thought exercise. Like I think I mentioned last time about like purple clouds. Like once you say that, you can't help but imagine it, right? Pink elephants rainbow stars Ooh, that was a nice visual i had you in my can't mind. help but imagine it so but like it's it. it's triggering like it's stimulating you up top um so stuff like that super simple takes no time whatsoever and it's it's stimulating it's out of the norm so it's stimulating enough right uh and then also this is what i've seen in the, in the class i'm spending a lot of time in breathe in and then on the breath out do vo- you do a very deep from the belly boo like that it's really cool to hear it as a class. It's really, really neat. And there's something very soothing about it. And then also there's something called a self-hug. I don't know how to describe this because without showing it. Yeah. But there, there's a it, self-hug from Peter yeah. Levine. This is a, a somatic experiencing thing. It's a uh, right hand under your left arm and left hand on your shoulder. So it's basically you're hugging yourself. It's right, then- but it's right below the shoulder. Not on top, not on top of it. The high arm area. That posture. There's something about it. When I when I did it the first time, I'm like, oh, I like that. Like there, there's something about it 
that is kind of soothing. Um, the other thing that Peter Levine, there's a video online on uh, on YouTube where he, he 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 teaches us about it. That's one of them. The other one is to put your your hand on your chest, right in the middle there, and then take the other hand and put it on your forehead. Yeah. This is the one that when I did it the first time, I was like, wow, Justin, this is super weird. And then I tried it and it was like immediately calming. It's really odd. But just hand on for one hand on the forehead, one hand on, on your chest and just some deep breaths at the same time. Yeah. And Lovely. Then, and then really calming. just noticing how you feel. And then you take after, I don't know, maybe let's say 30 seconds, you take the hand off of the forehead and put it onto your belly. There's there's a shift that happens. It feels Nice. I, I like it. Try it, folks. Try it. Because legitimately, I thought Justin was being weird when he told me about this the first time. And this was what, almost a year ago now? And I tried it and it immediately felt just so much more calm. Yeah. If you're driving, by the way, don't do that. It's probably don't too late. Do it if you're it's driving. too late that we've already did it. <laughs> <It's> Dang it. <laughs> disclaimer before. We'll do the disclaimer beforehand next time. Next time. Next, we got you next time. All right. So, time. <laughs> so that's some shutdown stuff the, for the fight. For sympathetic arousal, so that's that's where we're down the ladder and our motor's going, basically. But there's two different behaviors of the sympathetic state, which is flight and then fight. But we're gonna, so we're going up the ladder, so it goes from shutdown to fight. And we're, this is going to be actually. Before, I didn't even put this on here, but I'm noticing in therapy that laughter is a really good way to discharge some of the fight energy. That's just a trend I'm seeing that when kids Interesting. tell me about what they want to do to someone, <laughs> they laugh about you start it. start laughing at them? No. <laughs> no, okay. No they start laughing. Like they, they say it out loud. They don't get judged for it. And I tell them like, I'm not going to judge you. So just say it out loud. I'm, I'll, yeah. I will just listen to you. And they say it out loud and they just smile. They laugh about it. And we laugh together. And then the next, the next thought is, I have to get out of my home. Like, because now they're in flight mode. I swear, I, I, this is, I've seen this a number of times now to where I'm like, this, there's, there's something to this. But yeah, so I think bringing humor into your classroom, obviously, like that's pretty obvious, right? So yeah. be, be a fun person um, and bring humor into the classroom if you can. But so specifically for fight, you want to really stimulate the chest, shoulders, arms, and do arm pushes like into, into your own arms. Here, narrate what I'm doing here, right? Okay. Okay, folks. Put your hands together like in a namaste pose, and then you're pressing them towards each other. So palm to palm. Basically, you're pushing into your own palms. But what I've noticed just with the kids in therapy is that the position of the hands is comf- the comfort level is different for everybody. When I do just with both my palms touching and the fingers going, uh, you know, pointing up, it's different than one hand pointing up, one finger set of fingers pointing up, like on my right hand. And the left hand, palm still touching, but the fingers pointing out away from me. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. It's a different. It feels different. Like just ha- just tell you know t- tell your class like let's, let's experiment with how how does this feel like push inward, and then how does it feel when we move our hands around? This happened in session recently where the student did it with um, the fingers pointing up, and then the student, without me prompting them, naturally shifted the hand. And they said, that feels better. Oh, cool. And, and then they said, oh, I feel like this. They, they felt the autonomic shift, like there's something going on inside of me. Um, just from the hand That's shift, awesome. it, was, it was really kind of cool. Yeah. All right. So for fight mode, we got stimulate arms. Um, you can, you can like, you know, do like wall pushes where you push into the wall. It's not going to go anywhere. Uh, but That's true. But it's really, it's a great way to stimulate um, that, that, you know, that like the fight mode, the, the sympathetic energy. Um, do do um, arm and torso muscle relaxation where you have them sit in the chair and just say, hey, let's do a quick thing where we flex and you know our forearms, our biceps, our shoulders, hold it for a moment, don't hurt yourself or anything, and then just let it go and relax. And that that has a nice can have a nice calming effect. Uh, for flight mode, I have um, toe stands, so standing up using your toes. Um, anything that stimulates the legs. Uh, foot and leg muscle relaxation exercises, just like the shoulder ones that I mentioned before, or shoulder, arm, chest. Um, you know, tensing up your calves, letting it go. Tense up your thighs, let it go. Like, make just give a kid a message to deliver. If you see that they're moving around a lot and they need some direction, um, give them 
It can be real or not. I don't care. Give them something to deliver. So the first thing is like give them, a, it's a task, right? I need this delivered to the front desk. Do you mind taking this over to them, right? And what and what you'd say is while you're doing that, how many steps does it take to get there and back? Or um, while you while you deliver that message, I want you to skip halfway, walk the other halfway, and then run back to me for the final or whatever. Let's just make it up, right? But the point is to get them moving because they're already they already like their body wants to to get them moving with mindfulness connected to it with with being aware with yeah here. the awareness of the physical movement. And then in flight mode, that's a great way to, you know, like they're in lines, they're on their feet, they're standing up anyways, they're on their legs. That's a great time to have some fun and move your legs in a line. The last thing that, go ahead. No, I was just thinking um, examples of line fun. So do you mean things like, you know, walk in line, do a funny little dance, tiptoe to class or giant steps to class, like that kind of thing? I think tiptoe, I think tiptoe is a really good one because it's, it's really making them focus on what, like their balance on, on their whole body, really. Yeah, because there is balance and there's there's also the body awareness stuff of, you know, someone's in front of you, someone's behind you and moving at a certain pace and, and gait to where you're not bumping into people. Exactly, yeah. That's fun. I want to do that. It's it, Exactly. Um, the other thing would be music. I think music is a, another very safe way to to get in touch with our state and to actually hopefully help us move up the ladder at least a little bit and to participate in class. So if you play 30 seconds, just like I've done in the podcast, if you play 30 seconds of a clip and a lot for younger ones that you, if you think your class can um, handle it, allow them to move, like allow, make dancing okay and normal as a brain break. So just play 30 seconds, allow them to move any way that their body feels like it should be moving in that moment. Don't judge it. Don't, you know, just like let it happen. Like, like that's a very safe way to do something. Um, and but you can ask them if they don't know how to do this exercise or if they're stuck in it. You may want to ask them like, what What does your body feel like doing? If you don't want to dance in front of everybody, like I wouldn't do that. Ask, ask them like, what does your body feel like doing? Does it feel like more like a bop, which is like up and down, like you know, like you're moving, like or a like, bounce, yeah. yeah, or like swaying back and forth, which is more of a, a safe when we feel when you hear those those prosodic voices, you know, that carry you, you want to sway more back and forth rather than bop up and down. So the, the music that you, I think I've talked about this in the past, the music that you choose, no, no hip hop, no heavy metal. Yeah. Nothing that's going to get them like <laughs> bouncing around doing the floss. If they're up and doing the floss, then <laughs> you chose the wrong piece of music. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's cool is that when, if you, with little kids, they will, if something's scary, you'll know it because they, they can't help but react. If something is energetic, you'll see it all over. And they, like they, you just, they don't have the filters that we do. We cool adults. I wouldn't, you know. Super cool. Super cool. I never dance in public. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> After the polyvagal school series that we are in the, right in the midst of here, We've got two, we have a lot of things planned, but we have two major we things We have a lot out. of stuff, yeah. We're brainstorming all sorts of ideas, guys. Dr. Porter's interview is coming up in a couple weeks. Ooh, I'm happy. excited to very hear it. I'm very happy about that one. I listened back to it and I'm very happy with it. Um, and, oh, the Climbing the Ladder series should be starting soonish, but that's entirely dependent upon the listeners. We want to know how you are using the polyvagal theory in your own climb up the polyvagal ladder. And we're going to share ours as well. I, I want to, I'm hoping that people will submit these in audio form. You can do it through Instagram, DM. You could send me an anchor voice message if you have the app. Um, email me an audio clip. You can just record it with your phone and email it as an attachment. Or you can upload it to like a Dropbox or a Google Drive and send me a link. Ideally, I want to hear people's voices. And the, the hope here, because I know everyone's going to be interested in this. The hope here is that if you can hear someone else's voice, and hear how they're handling what they're going through with the polyvagal theory, how that's helping them. That will help people connect better to, to what you're saying, you know what I mean? Rather than just our voices. To hear someone else's voice, it, it, it's, there's, a, there's a community here, and we're all disconnected, sadly. Yeah, it'll be much more interactive this way. I, I would be so excited to hear from our listeners, our very dear listeners. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping this will help build a sense of community, even though it's a podcast and we're all kind of separate. 
if we can hear each other's voices in a positive way, you know, like this is what I'm doing to help myself out. I think it'd be really valuable. We'll, we'll keep everything. You don't, don't say your name. You don't have to, you know, nothing like that. Maybe saying where you're from might be kind of interesting, but don't say your name. If I think something's too much, I'll edit it out. But yeah, I think it'd be amazing to hear someone's voice on how they're using this information, how it's helping them. Uh, I w- we would both really appreciate that. Absolutely. So if we get a big response to this, then we'll be starting that series sooner. If I'm not getting much of a response, then I'll you know, we'll, we'll you know we'll kind of wait it out and see what happens. But that might drag on. So hopefully we get a big response right away, and we can get that going. I think that'd be a big big thing for the audience. Thank you so much for listening. I didn't know if you wanted me to do that part. <laughs> oh, go ahead. You can do it. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I hope it's brought you some value. As much as it's brought me. I feel like you're mocking it. it. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? That part I was. (laughs) Damn you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this has brought you some value. If you have a question about anything, we'd love to hear it. Possibly address it in a future episode. I've been answering every single question I get. Um, I did another blog post, what, yesterday, I think? Um, Really good, really interesting questions I'm getting. Yeah, that was a good question. I saw that one. Oh, did you? Nice. All right, bye. Bye.